Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for June has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is TJ Luoma. Uh, it rhymes with diploma. That's what it says on his site if you go to luo.ma. He also writes for the unofficial Apple weblog, uh, known in the industry as 2 Um Depending on which writer you talk to, some of them actually say 2 which is weird. Um, but he also podcasts on Impolite Company and is the pastor of a Presbyterian church. Where was that church, TJ? Southeastern Ohio. Southeastern Ohio. What city? Uh, Gallup Police. It's about two hours south of Columbus. I know Columbus. There you go. That's why I usually say southeastern Ohio. <laughs> I can I can roughly locate Ohio on a map. There you go. General vicinity, U.S. I know that. So, um, let's. You 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 would identify as many of my guests would I think uh, as a nerd. I think. Yes. Yes. W- without getting into the whole nerd geek whatever oh, thing. Yeah. Yes. That's. I, they are one and the same on this show. Right. Yes, absolutely. I shouldn't say they're one and the same, but in this in this context. Right. Yes. Okay. You use interchangeably. But you're also, and this isn't rare, I've found I've had quite a few, uh, what's the word? Ec- ecumenical? Ecum- uh, I've, had, I've had rabbis and pastors, and uh, I, I, I'm working on a priest. That sounded weird. That's a weird, <laughs> weird thing to say. But uh, but you you're a pastor, and yes. do you think there's a tie? Uh, are 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 all religious figures nerdy in some way, or is it just the ones I find? Uh, I think there's uh, for a long time it was a generational thing where the older folks, I think, a lot of them actively resisted technology, and then I think all of a sudden we we hit this tipping point and now it's gone way over to the other end where you've got uh, a lot of people and again certainly younger folks um of course i'm, I'm now 40 so uh, i guess i have to say uh young people young people and myself <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, who are definitely into technology and, and you're not going to find much of a divide so uh, I, I think that's the big difference you're seeing uh, is that uh, you've got a lot of folks who are now of the age where they are uh, both pastors and uh, technologically inclined. I see. It makes sense. It makes sense. Is there any connection for you? And this is a broad general question, but between religion, religious studies and geeking out? Uh, um, well, uh, there's a connection for me in that um, I've always had this sort of one foot in each spot. Uh, I actually started in college as a computer science major and uh, was taking some religion classes sort of to fill out my uh, liberal arts requirements. And then I realized that I hated programming. Uh, and someone asked me what I would do if I could do – I had to declare a major. And I was like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? I, I, you know, I thought I was going to be this. And, I said, well, what would you do if you could do anything you wanted? And he said, well, I'd probably be a religious studies and English double major, but I don't know what I'd do with that because I know I don't want to go to seminary. Uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, but I've always had a, a connection, too, with 
um, trying to, to help f- folks use their computers in both college and seminary. I worked in the computer lab and trying to get people to uh, be able to understand how to do things. Uh, uh, back in seminary, there were uh, folks who were doing uh, Hebrew and Greek uh, back in the late 90s, which was quite a challenge. Uh, you know, you think about people still using WordPerfect 5 for DOS and trying to get Hebrew and Greek characters into there. They had some specialized programs for that. And uh, so I think technology has uh, very often been connected with um, religious stuff. Uh, you know, you go back to the, the printing press, the, obviously, you know, the going back to, you know, Gutenberg's Bible and all this stuff. Technology and religion has very often been connected, although there are certainly some plenty of Luddites in the religious community who, you know, uh, think that all they need is a Bible and a soapbox. Well, I was going to say there's also been a disconnect uh, in that uh, technology has in the, it, d- throughout history uh, been persecuted at points. I mean, uh, feared sciences in general. Sure. So uh, there's a there's a, a kind of a dual relationship there. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure exactly when that changed, but uh, you know, if you look at the the rise of the mega churches uh, in the U.S., uh, you know what they're doing, you know, PowerPoint and all this, you know, stuff. It's very technological. Uh, our our church in southeastern Ohio, by the way, uh, completely not uh, technological. We have we have a pipe organ. We've got stained glass windows. Uh, I, I don't use any technology when I'm preaching. I, I do it when I'm preparing my sermon, but not when I'm uh, actually preaching. Is that out of for, for any particular reason, or is that more of a budget restraint? Um, no, I um, when I first started, I, I've been at this church, actually just celebrated my 10th anniversary uh, as the pastor here. Happy church anniversary. <laughs> thank you. And, and actually today, uh, June 17th, as we record, is uh, my 18th wedding anniversary. Happy so, wedding anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, when I came here, I, I got into the habit of preaching without notes. And so uh, once I'm done with the scripture reading, which I usually read from a just regular piece of paper printed out large enough that I can read it. It's a good Bible. idea. You don't want to mess that up. Yeah. And Bible, Bible print is ridiculously small. Um, so um, and, and that's really it. And, and afterwards, I just sort of talk and uh, find that most of the stuff that I forget uh, is stuff that wasn't that important. I have used my iPad for weddings and funerals, believe it or not. Uh, it's a lot easier to scroll a PDF on an iPad than it is to shuffle papers, which is what I used to do. Um, so that that's that's probably my my only technology in worship uh, crossover. Want to hear about something cool I'm working on? Sure. It's uh, it takes Markdown files, of course, um, and through a it's a, just a web app, but it turns them into like actual book like uh, iBook style page turning. Oh, so you can drop it in. And then I found that when speaking, it's a lot easier to page information left and right and to, to keep track of where you are and what you're doing. Like if you have to scroll. Yes. Uh, and it's portrait, then it's really easy to lose your spot and have to like spend time scanning the page or worse yet, scrolling up and down if it's not paginated. So this is an easy way to, to write, uh, write spoken word stuff in Markdown. And then page through it. That sounds like something I will definitely use. Actually, the biggest interest in it is all coming from pastors. Really? Yeah. Ha. So be that what would it be that be, I, there's a phrase I was going to say, be that as it may. But that's really kind of a 
like a, a segue between two things and I didn't need a segue. Okay. <laughs> so, so use whatever, uh, kind of, uh, colloquial phrase in there that makes sense. And we've already forgotten where it was now. So it's completely <laughs> irrelevant. Um, okay. So, so like d- d- when you dropped out of computer science, yes. Uh, is it, is it okay to say dropped out, quit? Like, I don't, sure. I don't want to make you sound like you, you lost the game, but um, <laughs> right. I, I, I dropped my comp sci major. It obviously, based on the work that you do, a lot of the, you know, scripting and stuff that you share, uh, it wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the programming that you hated. What? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess the what I what I usually tell people now is, is that it's uh, it's sort of like realizing that you really enjoy driving a car and then thinking that you ought to be a mechanic. Uh-huh. Um, and and I was a terrible mechanic, but uh, you know, if if you like driving your car, you you might want to get a nice stereo. You might want to get you know your playlist set up. You you know all these. I've, I've got a friend uh, who are married. One of them very tall and one of them very short. And the remote control for their car will automatically adjust the seat and stuff like that. So you know that there there are levels of of you know how how close to the metal. There you go. How close to the metal do you want to get when you're on these things? I like to be a little close to the metal. I just don't want to get down into brackets and. Uh, you know, semicolons and, and that sort of stuff. So, so shell scripting has been a, a really good friend to me, but that's uh, that's as close as I've ever gotten to uh, anything you might call programming. And of course, there are already real programmers who are turning up their nose uh, at this idea that you might call shell scripting programming. Well, I'm on your side. <laughs> I'm more of a scripter than a programmer in the end. I think there's uh, a duality. Whoa. Whoa. Did we just make this religious? <laughs> I have another show for that, but you know, if you want to, <laughs> that is, can... uh, that is the topic of, uh, impolite company, right? Yes. Yeah. We talk about religion and politics, things that you're not supposed to talk about. Yeah. Impolite companies, yeah, hence the name. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there is something there where, um, it, it's the part of, well, and this is why I'm a Mac user. I, I wanted to spend more time using my computer and less time maintaining it. Um, after I was a Next user, when I was in college, uh, campus was all Next computers. Uh, we were one of the few campuses, I'm guessing, in the world. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. And, and this was, uh, I was in college, 91 to 95. And then, of course, there was this dark period after... Um, you know, next, and, and then we went to OpenStep, but then I went into the Windows world. I needed a laptop, and I was working in a church, and a lot of church. You hear, hear usually about realtors uh, who, you know, all their software is Windows-based. Uh, well, that's been true for church stuff, too. And I got a Windows computer. I was using that for a while, and then I thought, well, uh, I'm going to get a – I had a laptop. I was going to put uh, FreeBSD on it. And, uh, man, the, the amount of time just to get something working and all this, I wanted something that, quote, unquote, just worked. Uh, and that was around the same time that Steve Jobs came back to Apple, and then they started making stuff. I got my first PowerBook, my first Mac, uh, actually in, I think, 2004, not long after I came to the church here. Um, and it was mainly because of that same idea of I want to use my computer. I don't want to spend a lot of time maintaining it. Is there a Windows equivalent to scripting like Bash and, and Z Shell? And uh, well, there's what's what do they call it? Is it C Y G W I N? I don't even know how you Sigwin. pronounce it. I've always said Sigwin. 
But I, okay. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone else say it before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of these things you hear it out loud. I, I mean, they do have – they've got the .bat files and stuff like that. Um, well, that's right. Batch files. Yeah, but I've, I've never gotten into any of that. The, the closest I come to it is wh- whenever somebody tells me that the Windows computer is, is running too slowly, I – I do the Windows R and type MS config and find out <laughs> how many thousands of programs they have launching when they start the computer. Oh man, DOS! I re- I remember batch files. If I recall correctly, they did not have very advanced logic structures. It was basically a system for. And some Windows user is going to scold me for this, but um, <laughs> but I, it was basically a, a a language for sequencing applications, not so much performing logic. But I could be wrong. Right. It's I, been a long time. I, I've never done that. As a matter of fact, my, my very first computer experience was on an Apple IIe in, I think, seventh or eighth grade when we were writing basic programs. So, Did you have Logo? No, I don't think so. It doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. With the turtle? And you tell the turtle, go forward, 10, turn. Oh, right. yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. My, I had a friend. It was, uh, let's see, third third grade. I was at a special school. I, I made quotes there. Um, but <laughs> now, uh, now, wait a minute. You're, you're talking short bus special or? I'm talking, um, they called it gifted and talented. Oh, okay. All right. And this kid was starting calc in third grade. Oh, my goodness. And he could do things with logo that were miraculous in nature. He had logo. He had one that made like a fractal type of artwork. While playing Beethoven in eight bits. And I don't yeah. know if that was all in logo. I can't remember if logo could do tonal beeps, but he had, a, he had a program set up that would draw a fractal while you listen to Beethoven. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything like that. I, I, I remember I wrote a basic program that would fill the screen with multicolored squares and really impressed a girl. Yeah. That was about the extent <laughs> of, I, I don't think I even ever impressed anybody, but. That, well, that sounds like what I did. Yeah. She, she, she was not really computer literate, but, you know, she, she was really impressed by this. And, and, and I've held on to that all these years. You made stuff do stuff. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, that, at one point in my life, that was my tagline. I make stuff do cool stuff. <laughs> well, there are worse taglines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are. I've had worse. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take our first sponsor break. Okay. And... Yes. I just realized I forgot to start a clock, so I don't even know if this is well-timed or not, but uh, but we'll do it anyway. We've so, been talking for 26 minutes. Right, but we had the pre-show stuff. Oh, is that not counted in there? I'm just looking at the... Well, I'm not going to publish it. Oh, well, okay then. With all, the, with all the smack talk we had in there. Oh, yeah, that was some... Ooh, that man. got dirty. Heads will roll. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Don't worry. Okay. So uh, Hubber.com is our first sponsor, and they have uh, some simplified domain management for you. You've probably registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services you're not interested in, when all you want is a simple .com or maybe a CO or TV. And if the .com you want isn't available, you can get a .net, which is really the one alternative to .com that's become universally accepted. Hubber makes it easy. Just enter the domain name you want into their search box, and Hubber will tell you if it's available. If not, it'll come up with some suggestions. You can also just type in a few keywords and Hubber will figure out some available domains using those terms for you. TJ, what's a good word for a magical robot? A synonym. 
a synonym for a magical robot? Yeah. Wow. Um, help bot. I, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I'm, I'm not good on the spot. <laughs> All right. No points. No points awarded. Um, they have real human beings available for support, and their number is right on the front page of their website. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and call. They have a no-hold policy. Somebody just answers the phone. Seamless transfers from other providers, elegant DNS management, email hosting, and more. And if you use the code DANSENTME or visit Hover.com slash DANSENTME, you'll get 10% off of everything you buy from Hover.com. Welcome back. Hey, and I'm just going to add, I'm not being paid for this, but I'll let you know that the impolite.co was actually registered through Hover with the Dan sent me because I'm a big five by five uh, guy myself. So I believe they call them jackals. Yes. Yes. I believe, I believe uh, I have heard that term before. <laughs> I, I, I will admit that I do not know the origin of that term. I need a jackal to school me on that. I, I believe it was something uh, with uh, back to work uh, chat oh, room people. Everything ultimately is something with back it's, to work. Right. It's, it's, it, it's, the, it's the Adam and Eve of references. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is a meme generator. There you go. Um, I do love that show. I just want to say it because I always, I always seem to say uh, rude things about Merlin, but he is one of my favorite people, and I just want to put that out there into the world. I love Merlin. Um, well, I could- well, exactly, exactly. Um, so I mean, I'm you're d- such a jerk. Sorry. What, what? Oh, really? We're gonna you're gonna ruin my my no, no. heartfelt moment here. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm double fisting it. I have uh, in one hand a 16 year old scotch, nice, and in the other hand a bottle of Thai iced tea that I got with my Chinese takeout. Okay. I'm not sure which is called for at the moment. <laughs> well, it is only 9 a.m. No, Where are you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on the East Coast. I'm, I'm, I'm East Coast time. I'm just kidding with you. But oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm not just jealous about the scotch. Mm. I, I, used to, I used to have myself listed on Facebook as a scotch Presbyterian. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever got the joke. But is, are, is, there, is there more to the joke than it being alcohol related? Is there something about Scotsmen and Presbyterianism that doesn't mix? Yeah, it, it's Scott Presbyterian S C O T, like from Scotland. Yes, yeah, I gotcha. So, but uh, I used to say, "How can I be the only Scotch Presbyterians?" And then I was like, "Oh, right, the Drapers are Episcopalian." <laughs> okay, you, I think you, maybe the nerdiest joke I've ever. And and so much of that was lost on me <laughs> as a as a Southern Baptist child who really uh, they they told us that basically only. Uh, out of Christianity, only the Baptists were really going to heaven. Oh, sure. Well, I'm, you, you've heard the old story about that, the elevator in heaven. You know, you get to the first floor and they go, well, you know, here are the Baptists. You get to the second floor and the Methodists say, you get to the third floor and they open the door and they say, now be really quiet. The third floor is where we keep the Catholics and they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> okay. Which you, you can, I grew up Catholic. So, you know, you, you tell that on yourself. So, you yes. know, you could, you could tell it on the Baptists and, you know, keep quiet that they think they're the only ones here. So. Yes. It's an interesting, uh, the whole situation. It really is. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> all of this aside. Yes. You have a Mac mini running as a media server. Yeah. And, yeah. and if I recall, you like it better than your Apple TV slash jailbroken Apple TV. Yeah, you know, I wanted to love the Apple TV so badly. I, I have tried 
I, I was one of, I think, the first people to buy an Apple TV. I got the 160 gigabyte one. I, I love the whole idea. But the reality of the Apple TV has always been aggravating, frustrating, and disappointing to me. So tell me why. Well, you've got to have, well, first of all, you can't play your DVDs. You've got to have you know your files in the right format, in just the right format, not just MP4s, but you've got to have them in, in the right format whatever so they'll play and and again this is where my i'm not a computer science guy comes in um you know it's you've got to have it in the right encoding and, and all i know about the encoding is what handbrake tells me this will play on this this will play on that this will play on the other thing I, which is why i, I, I eventually that, got yes. which is why i eventually got into jailbreaking the apple tv and because i was like oh great this is going to be great now i'm going to be able to play anything i want on here um and it was it worked pretty well um and uh, you didn't have to re-encode the stuff now, but it was still lipstick on a pig. I mean, it really just never quite – it wasn't what I wanted. And, of course, over time, Apple's moved away from now they don't even have a hard drive in the thing. And uh, they want you to do streaming, everything. Well, that's great if you live somewhere where you've got uh, unmetered, uh, unmetered internet. I, I don't. I'm on a slow satellite internet connection at home. Uh, we've got DSL here at the church, but uh, I can't get it at home. And uh, I want to be able to play my content. Uh, I don't buy a lot of stuff through uh, Apple or whatever. So I want to be able to, you know, I've got a file. I want to play the file. And, and as a matter of fact, just recently, uh, in the last week or two, I, I downloaded a 1080p video from the iTunes store, and then I couldn't play it on my uh uh, MacBook Air until I removed the DRM and then it played fine in VLC. That, Explain. That, that's annoying. Yeah. And then I rented a, a movie. My wife and I were talking, I can't remember what it was now. We were talking about this movie. It was available on iTunes. I downloaded it at work because of course that's where the fast computer is copied it over the network to my, uh, from my, uh, I've got an old MacBook uh, that I keep at the office, copied it over to my MacBook Air, brought it home, and I couldn't play it because it was authorized to be played on the computer that was at work. All so, of this just so completely aggravating and frustrating. And um, so your solution then was a mini running what? Uh, I, I bought a brand new uh, Mac Mini. It was the um, 2.3 quad-core Intel i7, which is the middle version, if you look on the webpage. They've got a low-end version. They've got the high-end version that's got OS X server on it. Um, and I, I bought this one, and it's now hooked to an HDMI. It goes right to my TV. Uh, and I am uh, using that, and it's working great. Uh, any file I throw at it, I can play in VLC. I can, I've got a USB super drive. Um, that I can hook, I can play my DVDs, I can skip all those stupid menus with the FBI warnings and the previews that I can't always skip on my regular DVD player or have to, you know, hit the stop button and then the menu button and then the play. I mean, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to watch stuff. And you use uh, a standard Apple remote with it? Uh, nope. I've got a, uh, this is a great thing because it's a Mac. I've got a real keyboard. I've got an Apple wireless keyboard. And a magic trackpad, which are connected together by something called a magic wand. Yes. That's put out by 12south.com. Um, and it's great. It's got everything together. Now I can uh, 
um, you know, I can use Spotlight and find videos that I want to find, or I can, uh, the other night I realized that my TiVo hadn't recorded something, uh, so I was able to download it. Uh, between, <laughs> between 2 a.m. and 11 a.m., I've got uh, no quota on my internet, so I was able to, <laughs> so, so here, here comes the automation nerdery, right? I, uh, I purchased it in iTunes, uh, and I went and uh, did all the thing, you know, authorized it. And then I paused the download, made a keyboard macro that would turn on at 2.01 a.m. that would switch to iTunes and hit the resume all button. That is so pretty would, nerdy. So it would download during the free quota period because I didn't want to stay. Well, truth be told, I was probably still up at 2 a.m., but I didn't want to have to remember it at 2 a.m. Um, so there's there's where my you know, nerdy stuff comes in is making my life a little bit easier uh, for these sorts of things. But uh, to me, the Mac mini hooked up to a TV is what I've wanted as long as the Apple TV has been around. The Apple TV may work great for somebody else, uh, but it, it has never been what I really hoped it would be. Well, I'll play the other side of that. Um, I do. I have a hundred megabit unlimited line in my home and I have discarded all all pretense of of needing a media server. I have a small, I have a little, I think it's Sony uh, Blu-ray player that's just barely bigger than a Blu-ray DVD or any DVD or a C, whatever. Um, it's just just slightly bigger than that. It's a little little like cube looking thing, and that sits next to my little Generation Two Apple TV, and I have never. Since the since the Apple TV two came out, I've never wanted for a hard drive. Um, I, I find I don't. I have stacks of DVDs that I haven't touched in forever because I just. It's rare that I want to go see a movie again, and on the few occasions I have, I found my DVDs are scratched or or missing from their case, and I've just gone and rented it on iTunes anyway. So that's working well for me. But I am a little jealous of the extra capabilities that you would have with your full keyboard and your like spotlight, for example, would be yeah. pretty cool. Full system spotlight. I wonder right. if and Apple TV will ever do that. No, it won't. I mean, it's Apple's keeping things simple and, and getting easier and easier, which means, you know, what, what's what's the lowest common denominator stuff? And, and hey, they're, you know, the most successful company in the world. So right. it's but working for them. Wouldn't it be cool, though? If you could search for Big Bang Theory and if it was on Netflix, if the episode you wanted was on Netflix, you would be able to see the difference between one on Netflix and one on iTunes. Actually, the Roku can do that right now. I know. I have a Roku, too, but I haven't turned it on for a while. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the, the Roku, the Roku to me and, and the Netflix and I'm an Amazon Prime uh, member because the, the – uh, our bookstore here in town is Walmart. Our grocery store here in town is Walmart. Um, Welcome to Ohio. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's there's four thousand people in town in a county of thirty thousand. Um, so you know, there's not a lot. So you know, Amazon Prime is an obvious necessity. Uh, I, I tell people I, I don't pay eighty dollars a month for two day shipping. I, I pay or eighty dollars a year for two day shipping. I pay eighty dollars <laughs> a year to not have to go to Walmart as often. I can uh, understand wanting. That. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's I, I consider it a, a bargain, but um, I, that to me like is like Spotify for music. Um, 
you know, it, it's great for finding stuff uh, that maybe I wouldn't have seen. Like uh, I just watched uh, Luther. Uh, somebody had suggested and, and it was on um, Netflix, I think. And and I had seen that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Netflix subscriber, but I get the discs in the mail. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm that guy. Huh. And uh, I finally um, talked my wife out. I think it was just this year. Finally talked her out of just giving up and just streaming what was available and not worrying about the bizarre releases that are only on DVD. Yeah, well, see, there are lots of shows, though, that I... I'm like to watch that are only available on DVD. Um, well, like I just watched uh, band of brothers from uh, HBO. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not, and I don't understand why I'm sure some HBO executive has a good reason why it's not available for streaming, but you know, it's, it's dumb. Um, and you know, that this system to me I, is working really well. Um, I, I've had it set up for literally a week. Um, but I, I've got several, I've got like four or five hard drives right now hooked to the mini and I'm, I'm in the process of combining everything all into one. Uh, but I've also got it set up, uh, using something called, uh, air video server, yep. uh, which, um, is really cool application, which will, uh, either play your video for you from your Mac to a, an iPad or, or I suppose an iPhone, but I, I would never watch video on an iPhone, but, um, and my son just thinks this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, the, the, the biggest, uh, hero eyes I have ever gotten from him is when I showed him that if his mom and I were watching something and he didn't want to watch it, uh, he could stick his headphones on and, uh, you know, on his iPad, he's got an iPad, he's got an iPad too, uh, as the hand me downs go, mm-hmm. uh, and he just thought that this was just the coolest thing ever because when you're – he's 11. He watches the same stuff all the time. I mean he'll watch the same movie five days in a row. Um, and so it's just you know the, the coolest thing ever for him. Like five um, times in a row or over five days? Uh, either. I mean he, he would watch – we finished watching a movie the other day and he said, can we watch it again? And it was Man. like – yeah, I mean that's but that's kids. I mean kids will do this all the time. That's the true. Choice. I did see I did see the Holy Grail over twenty times. Now that I think about it, yeah, it, that's a youth it, thing. I think it, it was it was literally the Holy Grail that we <laughs> that we watched. That he <laughs> he's eleven. I thought he, you know this was the appropriate time to introduce him to to the Holy Grail. Uh, so <laughs> you've doomed yourself. You'll be hearing oh. Monty Python quotes for years. Oh my gosh, he's been he's been horrible about it. Even like the last five days, he's just. Of course, I, I fart in your general direction is like his favorite thing ever. I thought he was gonna, I thought he was gonna wet himself. He was laughing so hard. Does but. he do merely a flesh wound and it's got fangs? Yep, yep. It's yep. Uh, um, so, but he, you know, now he can watch that or Austin Powers. He loves the Austin Powers movies. You know, again, he's eleven. Sure. Um, sure. So. But the first the first DVD I ever ripped was uh, Toy Story um, years and years and years ago. Uh, figured out how to make a copy of it because he was, you know, like four or five years old or whatever. And just taking it in and putting it uh, in and out of the DVD player was getting scratched up just from normal wear. And I thought, if this thing ever breaks, <laughs> we're going to be at Walmart at two o'clock in the morning having to buy a new one. And uh uh, and yeah, I mean, that for me is, uh, I, I, you talk about convincing your wife to get rid of Netflix. I wish I could convince my ro- wife to drop direct TV. Uh, and I would just, you know, buy whatever, uh, you know, if I want to watch a, a series on something, I'll either get it on, 
I'll get the Netflix DVDs or I'll just buy the series from iTunes or wherever. I did. Uh, I talked her out of that as well. We dropped cable. Uh, I mean, we, are, we are literally like Hulu and Netflix. That's what we do. And then our DVD collection. Right. Well, see, now the problem is we, we don't have the streaming option, but right. also my wife likes these. Um, uh, so you think you can dance and American Idol and mm. other other shows that you know w- would not work for for that sort of thing. So. Did, you, did you hear my hum of disapproval? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm so I, glad I, I don't have to talk my wife out of that. Grace is her 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 like uh, sinful pleasure. Uh, Grey's well, Anatomy, but uh, I will have to admit, several years ago, uh, I did watch American Idol with her. It was the year that Chris Sautry was in that, and uh, we actually went to see them in uh, in concert. And they were it was a good show, but that was that was enough for me. That was uh, so we went on a cruise once. It was like a three day cruise, and I got out the cruise ship, and I went, huh, okay, never need to do that again. It was fun, but yes. uh, that was enough. <laughs> I would the the only cruise I've been on as an adult was for my honeymoon and it was during hurricane Katrina and it was nice. a trip to Mexico. Oh wow. Katrina literally swept through while we were at sea. So I didn't see the brunt of it. Like we left Florida and came back uh, and it came through Florida as like a category three, but we, we had six foot chops when like the, the breakers uh, right out by the coral reefs, we were trying to snorkel and there were six foot waves crashing down on our heads. It was horrifying. Like literally, I was terrified. It yeah, was- that's some scary stuff. Well, we left Florida. Uh, I was my first church out of seminary was in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, Go Gators! And the uh, we left in two thousand and three. And I think the next year was when like all the hurricanes hit, <laughs> and it was yeah. like, ooh, just just the right time. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't plan to go on any more cruises. I did win a great watch at 2 o'clock in the morning gambling, though. <laughs> like on the the International Rules Casinos they have. Right, yeah. I got a, a really nice watch. Oh. No, I didn't yeah. win the watch. I won the money and bought the watch. And bought then, the watch. then I go. lost the rest of my money and decided no more gambling, no more cruises. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't like crowds. So a, a cruise to me was sort of like being trapped. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, literally. Anyway, what were we? Oh, media centers. <laughs> media centers, right? Yes. Yeah. So, media so centers. I'm a streaming guy. You're a you're a, a hard copy guy. I guess digital copy guy. Yes. Um, what you were you started to make a comparison to Spotify? Or was oh, yeah. it was it along those lines? Well, I, again, for the the streaming stuff, I, I think that the great thing about it is like the the Netflix and the um, Amazon. Amazon's instant video that you get if you're a prime subscriber, it's really easy to like, you know, oh, I've heard about this show. I'm going to like, you know, watch a, a, you know, an episode or two on it. And and it's great for finding stuff. But um, and maybe this is more like Pandora, but like if you've got a specific thing that you want to watch and or like the, the Holy Grail or something like that, if you know that that's what you really want to watch and you can't find it on one of those things, that to me is just that th- that would be the, the I think even if I had a high speed internet connection, I would still be in the process of ripping all my DVDs because I w- I bought these because I want to be able to watch them all a- again. Um, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, but not, it, it's not reality with Spotify. I just want to argue in favor of Spotify. There have been very few things that I've ever searched specifically for that I haven't found. Yeah. But I, I think Pandora is probably a better yeah, example. Yeah. Pandora I, is a perfect I, example of yeah. that. I'm actually a, a Spotify subscriber, and I think 
man, if we could get a video service like Spotify, oh, man. Uh, where, where you could, you know, you could cash, you know, 12 episodes of something for offline watching, yep. I would be sold. I yeah. mean, I would be totally sold, but uh, that that will never, ever happen. I don't nah. think. But Spotify is awesome. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. There's a song. Are you, have you ever been a fan of Iggy Pop? Yes. Have you heard the song Passenger Fever? No, now I'm going to out myself. I don't think I have. It's Iggy Pop, like the passenger, also done by uh, Susie Sue, and um, mixed with Fever. Like, uh, I can't remember the name of the lady who once did it, or like originally, but it's been done by a thousand people since. And those two songs have even been mashed together quite a bit if you look it up on YouTube. But there's one called uh, Passenger Fever by a band called Zebra. And it's totally worth looking up if you do nothing else on Spotify today. Cool. I should have made that that a pick of the week. I should also (laughs) make that new national album a pick of the week, but I'm not going to. I already have three. Anyway, anyway, I'll do I'll do another sponsor. And then how about we do some top picks? Sounds good. Oh, that's going to be fun. All right. Um, our second sponsor today is Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from across the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. Choose whatever fits your need and never have to compromise. If you need just one image for your blog or your mock-up, you can do that too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new since they add 10,000 new images every day. And it's more affordable than you think, with no extra charge for large files. You can download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, you can just take them. Easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search. You can also use the iPad app to do this. There's something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and you want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips should you need any of those. If you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. They also have 24-hour support during the week. Sign up for a free browse account at Shutterstock.com. No credit card needed. When you find the images you like and you decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME6 and get 30% off of any package. All right. TJ, are you familiar with how the top three picks work? Yes. Would you like to start? I would love to start. Exciting. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to start off by talking about Hazel. Uh, Hazel is one of my automation tools I could not live without. Uh, if you are familiar with uh, the idea of folder actions in OS X, uh, this is uh, built into OS X where you can uh, do something automatically when, when something's put into a folder. Uh, Hazel is like that, uh, except it's a lot more powerful and it works. Uh, folder actions for me has always been very unreliable. I've never gotten those to work. Never. And, and, and I, you know, I will say, I, I think both of us combined have a little bit of Mac knowledge. And if we can't get it to work, it's just aggravating. Uh, Hazel is awesome. It can, um, it's one of the, it literally is one of the first things I install. Uh, I just installed it on the, the new Mac mini. Uh, so for example, uh, here's one thing that I do with it. Uh, I've got, uh, rip it. 
which would be another pick if we had more, uh, set to automatically uh, start ripping a DVD as soon as I uh, put it into the DVD player. And uh, when it's ripping, it starts off with a, it puts a rip it suffix. And when it's done, it puts a DVD media suffix on there. And so Hazel watches that folder. And when it sees a new file with the DVD media extension on it, it moves it into another folder uh, which is where uh, I look when I'm in handbrake, when I need to uh, encode stuff. So all, all those files go in there. Uh, I know people who uh, leave everything on their desktop. Uh, I keep a clean desktop, but my downloads folder is a mess. Uh, so I've got another Hazel rule that basically says, look, if, if there's a file in my downloads folder that wasn't added today. Now, this is the important thing. It's not that it was created or modified today, because sometimes when you download something from a server, the date created or modified will actually be the date that they like put it on the server. Yep. But date added into that folder. If that's not today, put it into, I just, I've got a, a folder in the downloads folder called archive. Um, I've got, uh, all of my backups, uh, for, you know, you know, one password can automatically back up, uh, busy Cal automatically backs up OmniFocus. All of those, I, I put them to one folder, uh, <laughs> Dropbox slash backups. And uh, Hazel looks at that backups folder and will sort them into – so all my OmniFocus backups from all my different Macs go into one folder. All my BusyCal ones go into their own folder. Uh, but I don't have to set that up on each computer. I just do that on one because it's going over Dropbox. Um, it, it, Hazel, uh, together with uh, another great service called SendToDropbox.com, uh, you can email yourself files and have stuff automatically done. I've actually got uh, – here's nerdery for you. I've got it – so if I'm somewhere and I've got a YouTube clip that I don't want to watch on my phone or whatever, I can send it to my uh, sent Dropbox address and that will save a text file. You could do this with drafts too, I guess. Um, it will save it as a text file and it will download the YouTube video uh, onto my Mac. So I, when I wa- want to watch it later, I can, uh, I can get it later. Uh, I've so got a watch later folder. Let's let's break it down now for people okay. that that maybe aren't tracking the <laughs> the, the base of this. Hazel yeah. is, and correct me if I get this messed up at all, but it basically is it watches folders for certain criteria. Yeah, and when it's triggered, and you can have nested criteria. You can do like nested if then or uh, all. Uh, by, uh, it's like a Boolean, like all or none. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you can perform a series of actions on that folder or the matched file. Yes. And those actions can include all kinds of moving and renaming, and you can use file patterns and uh, tokens, and then you can also run custom scripts. Yes. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm just looking at it here. You can look for... Uh, you can match file names, file extensions, date added, created, last modified... Um, uh, uh, here the Markdown fans in the audience will, will like this one. I've got a folder that, uh, uh, where I save my Markdown files and whenever it finds a Markdown file that's been modified, it automatically generates the HTML version. Um, you can look for size, uh, any of these things. And then, yeah, you can do a bunch of things. Uh, that's another thing with the folder actions. You can usually do one thing, but you can move it, copy it, rename it, uh, archive it, unarchive it, um, I use uh, the unarchiver uh, to open zip files, et cetera. Uh, I'm sure like my, me, you probably um, download a lot of apps. Whenever I 
double click on a zip file, it unzips that to a certain folder. Hazel watches that folder for any files that end with .app and moves it to my applications folder. If there's already an app with that name there, it will move that one to the trash. I I there's I just got to mention this since we already added rip it to the top picks illicitly. <laughs> um uh drop zone has this awesome action that I never tried up until this week. Oh, the install one. Yeah, and it, yep. you can drop a DMG file onto the action, onto the yep. destination, and it will open the DMG, it'll take the file inside the DMG, the app file, it'll yep. install it in your apps folder, it will remove any previous copy, and it'll close the DMG and eject it. And that is just awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that drops into another, another great one. Uh, another trick that Hazel does, uh, which uh, is completely different, uh, it also watch, will watch your trash folder. Uh, and it will delete files that have been sitting in the trash for more than a certain number of days, hours, weeks. Uh, and it will also keep your trash under a certain size. Uh, like I've got mine set to no more than 10 gigabytes, which I think, you know, is probably plenty. Yeah. It, it will also look for when you uh, delete an app and it will when you go to delete an app, it'll say, hey, I saw you just deleted this app. Do you want to throw away these other files that go with that app? I love that. Yeah, I love that's, that because normally cool. you'd have to use something like uh, App Zapper or right. App and, Delete, and I never remember to do that. Yeah, you know. Right. So uh, Hazel, absolutely. Hazel uh, is one of those these tools that when there's a new version of it, I, I buy it before I download the new version because I know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use it. Yep, I'm with you on that. Good call. Thank you. All right, so I use Hazel for a ton of stuff. Um, when it comes to file watching it, it, it operates slogger and, and, uh, all of my, uh, social automation and everything. But when it comes to scheduling tasks, I use launch D for just about everything. And launch D is OS 10's kind of answer to cron, even though cron is still available, launch D is more integrated with the system. And there's a brand new app. I've always recommended Lingen or more recently launch control. But there's a new app that I, I read about on One Thing Well recently, and it's called LaunchD Task Scheduler. And for only $3, it gives you a pretty much complete graphic interface to LaunchD scheduling. So any task on your computer that you want to run at intervals, at specific dates and times, or even when folders or files are modified, although I would highly recommend Hazel for that, um, LaunchD Task Scheduler will give you an easy way to set up all kinds of automation. So if you're interested in the whole idea of LaunchD, but you don't love the idea of editing XML plist files, um, I, this looks like a great app. I've been testing it out today. It seems to be perfectly capable and works with all of my previous uh, launch agents. So recommended. Oh, that, that's a new one for me. And, and I'm a I'm a recent convert. Uh, I was I stuck with Cron for a long time, um, but uh, I will definitely have to check this out. One of my favorite tricks with this uh, for using LaunchD is to monitor the. Um, oh shoot! Now I've got to find the. Hold on, just a sec. I want to make sure I'm giving people the right information. Um, well, the, there are two. First is you can make sure that an app is always running. Yep. Um, and that's really helpful for uh, things that I always want running, like uh, Dropbox. 
Uh, but also, if you've got apps that maybe you like a lot, and I'm not going to mention any names here, but uh, but maybe they tend to crash every now and again, and maybe sometimes you don't notice that they crashed, uh, they, it will automatically just relaunch itself. Uh, but you can, uh, and I can't find the folder now, but it's something like library, system library, configure, whatever. I'll, I'll give uh, Brett the information for, for show notes. But uh, basically, anytime you change a network location, if you've got uh, a MacBook, uh, you launch D will will see that this folder changed and it basically gives you a free way to uh, run things when you join different networks. Um, and I've got this set up so that uh, like when I get home, it uh, launches some applications it turns some others off. Um, and, and that's a really handy free thing that that works better with launch D than you would. That's something you wouldn't be able to do with um, uh, Hazel. So Have that's ever- a really cool one. This is not a pick, but have you ever run Control Plane? <laughs> control Plane, nope. Look that up. It's it's free. It's it lets you it lets you determine locations based on multiple criteria that are scored. Okay. And so it won't just automatically assume because you're on this network that you want to run these scripts, but if you're on this network and have this Bluetooth device in range, gotcha. or you're you're on this network and this monitor is plugged in and this hard drive is attached. And you can do different things based on these different combinations. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of fun. But that, that launch T trick sounds very cool. So definitely send me that info. Yes, we'll do. Awesome. All right. So that was my second pick, right? Yes. No, that okay. was your first pick. You're right. You're right. <laughs> 16 year scotch. <laughs> What's your second pick? Oh, goodness. Um, my second pick is Keyboard Maestro. Uh, and this is, uh, again, and I'm a, another recent convert to this app. Um, this was one for years and years that I, I put off buying because it seemed like it was expensive. And then I got it as part of one of these bundles. And I, I wish I had bought, bought it for the full amount several years ago. Um, it, uh, if you've ever looked at some of the stuff that Brett does with key bindings and all that stuff and you go, wow, that sounds really cool, but I don't think I could ever do that. Uh, you can do a lot of that stuff with, um, keyboard maestro. Uh, I've got it set so that whenever I hit the caps lock key, I get a Google search. Um, whenever I, um, if you want to change your user agent in Safari, like sometimes I want to look at a page as if I was using uh, an iPad, uh, I've got a keyboard shortcut for that. Uh, the new version of Keyboard Maestro syncs. So all of your, th- this has always been a big thing for me, my keyboard shortcuts. You know, you can go into system preferences and assign a keyboard shortcut, but it's only on that computer. Well, now with Keyboard Maestro, you can make them on all of your uh, computers. Uh, I've also got, I mean, it, the new version can do some crazy, amazing stuff. It, it can click links on uh, web pages. Uh, I've got a, uh, here, here, here's a church, churchy, geeky crossover. Uh, I've got a database that I look at that has uh, journal articles. And when I find one, I can mail one to myself as a PDF. But I've got to click on a link that says I want to mail this. And then I've got to manually type in my email address every time. And then I've got to manually type in a subject every time. And then I've got to click this box that says, give me the citation information. And then I've got to click another thing that says, actually send it. Uh, In Keyboard Maestro, that's one keyboard. Uh, I, I press control Y for, yes, I want to, I want this. And, uh, it will do all of the steps for me. Uh, I use that all the time. Um, it's, uh, I've also automated it so that, uh, I can go into iTunes and press a button and it will look for updates for my iOS apps. 
and then it will download them. And then when it pops up that stupid, aggravating, annoying thing that says one of these apps is 17 plus, uh, it will click the OK button. So I don't come back in an hour and find out that it hasn't downloaded anything because it's been waiting on that stupid, annoying, irritating, bleepity bleep. Tell us how you really feel. You know, they know how old I am because it's tied to my Apple ID. Not to mention the only reason it pops that up is because it has a web browser built in. I know. Oh, my gosh. Like Apple wouldn't put anything on there that actually was (laughs) dangerous to a 17 year or younger person. Anyway. 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 Uh, Keyboard Maestro can do so much. And one of the things that it took me a while to figure out is that I use Text Expander for doing different things with Keyboard Maestro. It's I do this thing uh, an awful lot. Um, I want to uh, copy the path of this uh, from Finder, and I want to uh, paste it into a BB Edit. Uh, you know, so I can do all these steps. Uh, it, it, it is really amazing the amount of things that you can do with this, um, and it's a great supported program that's actively being developed. Um, and once you, I think I wrote an article on Tua about that the automation mindset. Once you get used to thinking about this, once you start thinking about this, all of a sudden you're going to realize more and more ways you can use this. Um, I've got one, for example, when when Skype is the frontmost app, if I press the space bar, it will mute. And then when I press the space bar again, it will unmute, uh, which is handy for uh, podcasting, especially when you have a cold. I'll be honest with you. I bought uh, I bought Keyboard Maestro first first time people started talking about it, especially Gabe over at Mac Drifter, because um, it sounded amazing. And I opened it up and I was uh, tingly with excitement <laughs> over all of the things that could trigger it and all of the things it could do. And my brain shut down. Yeah. It's so, it's so powerful that I, to this day have not really even begun to play with it. My, my brain goes, I talked about it. Or we, this was, I think a pick or at least a topic of conversation way early in this podcast. And I talked about, it has MIDI triggers. So yes. this, this, yes you know, 49 key keyboard next to my, my laptop could be launching and performing all kinds of tasks based on different musical pieces, which the, 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 that's about where my brain stops. My brain's like, Oh man, you could do anything. And then it's over. Well, someday though, that, that to me, to me, this is a lot like shell scripting. Like the reason I've never gotten more into programming is that shell scripting usually gets me where I need to go. And by shell scripting, I mean, I, I don't know Ruby or Perl. I, I know like Bash and Z shell stuff. Uh, and for me with Keyboard Maestro, I started really small. It was, um, you know, hey, when I press this button, what I want to have happen is I want to do, you know, select all and copy all in one key instead of two. And it just grew from there. So uh, the first thing I do, by the way, when I launch Keyboard Maestro the first time is I go in, I select all of the default and I um, macros and I delete them. So I don't accidentally trigger anything. Yeah. Um, and then I just go from there. Um, I think one of the biggest things, and this will be the last thing I say about this, is that I can you can make macros that will only trigger in either a certain app or like you can group. Like I've got one called Web Browsers, and I just told it, you know, look, whenever I'm in Safari or Chrome or Firefox, you know, I want this key to mean this thing, um, and then it won't do it in all the other. Um, 
and all the other apps. And, and that's just really, really handy. So I, that's one of my favorite things about better touch tool too, is I can make similar gestures <laughs> that do different, but related actions, depending on the app. Like, diff- yep. like some apps have different gestures for, or ju- different keystrokes for full screen. Yes. But oh, for me, so I can, I can use three finger swipe up on my trackpad in any application that I use regularly and have it defined. And it will perform that action or that applications full screen shortcut. Now see better touch tool is exactly the thing. Like you said, like I, I open that and I'm just like, ah, overload. Yeah. I think, so I think it's I, a matter of what you are willing to commit your time to yep. really making use of, but okay. Okay. That was my number two. That was, that was massive. That was awesome. All right. <laughs> All right. My number two is going to be dropler. And I'm pretty sure I've never mentioned Dropler, and it's a sin because I should have by now. Um, it's D-R-O-P-L-R, and it's very similar to services like CloudApp, uh, where it lets you snap quick screenshots, uploads them to a server, and instantly puts a short URL in your clipboard. So if I want to show somebody what I'm looking at when I tell them you know, something's wrong on the web page, I can snap a quick picture and within about two seconds, I can go back to my chat and hit paste and they can see what I was looking at. And uh, you can also share files. You can share audio and movies with it. Uh, if you if you select a file in Finder and you hit your shortcut key for Dropler, it will upload that file and share it um, privately. You know, you it only go only the people who have your URL can see it. Um, and it can also interface with a few other uh, applications in some very cool ways. I won't go into too much detail because I can't remember how much of it is beta right now. Because um, I've gotten to know the guys at Dropler, and they are very cool and very helpful. And it's uh, it's three nine. It's free. Like the app itself is free, and the service is free. But uh, you go to go pro and get. Uh, like I think it's 10 times the amount of storage is uh, $3.99 a month. And there's an awesome web interface for like looking through all of your past drop, dropples, drop, drop, drops and droplets. I don't know. Um, but you can, you can go through and sort and search through all of the things that you've, you've clipped before. And it also has a notes thing. You can pop up a little notepad, type in markdown source code or plain text and then send it and it will create a either it'll render markdown, it'll highlight source code, or it'll display a plain text as a pre-block. And you can send notes to people that way. So I use it like on Twitter if I want to explain something to somebody in more detail than 140 char- 120 characters and I don't want to keep sending follow-up messages. I'll just lay it all out in a quick note and in markdown and shoot that. Uh, up to Dropler and then just paste them a URL in the, in a tweet. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's another one of these things that I've I've rolled my own so many times and I never come up with something that I really like. So um, I, I may have to may have to check that out too. At least give the free version a try. I've tried yeah. rolling my own, but nothing is quite as inclusive as it. You know, even if it's cloud cloud app um, or Dropler. Uh, th- it's just so convenient to have a service like that available. Yeah. It's so yeah. much work to replicate. Yeah, it is. And it, it's the, the payoff for me has never been as much as, as I wanted it to be yeah. when I've, when I've done my own. It's, well, and the benefits, like it's kind of nice right. having someone else host all that stuff. I know there's a certain security to building your own cloud and sharing from there. 
But ultimately, most of my homemade clouds are shorter lived than the services <laughs> that I could have yep. paid for. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I know that. Uh, I know that feeling myself. All right. Oh, all right. My last pick is going to be uh, going back to the Mac Media Center. Uh, one of the things I was actually worried about when uh, I started thinking about this was what am I going to do now that there's no front row? Uh, which I guess died with either I think it was Lion, it was certainly Mountain Lion, but I think it died in I think Snow Leopard was the last version that had it. But uh, there is uh, a very nifty free program called XBMC. Uh, I'm sure it's an acronym for something that ends in Media Center. Um, but, uh, it, it works extremely well, uh, and simply for, uh, setting up, you know, you've got these files, you tell it where things are. Uh, the really cool thing about it is if you, uh, organize your files again, this won't work for you if you're a streaming guy, but, uh, for those of us who want to organize our stuff, like I, I went in and I saved my, uh, you know, my movies in one folder and my TV shows in another, it went through and identified it by name and it like grabbed the, um, the art artwork for the movie. And then when I click on it, it gives you a little summary of, uh, the show and stuff like that way better than front front row ever even dreamed about ever being. Um, there's another app called Plex, uh, which I think is a, a based on or originally based on, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that's a more simplified version of it, but I didn't find XBMC to be all that complicated. Although I realize I'm probably not normative to anybody. So, um, there's an iPhone app for that too. Isn't there an XBMC remote? Yeah, they, they, there are some unofficial ones, uh, and at least one of them, uh, seems like it's kind of sketchy, but I believe there is now an actual official, and you don't have to, originally it was like, oh, yeah, we have an app. You just have to jailbreak your phone. It's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that either. Um, but uh, um, so, yeah, and, and it's, that's been a really cool thing. Um, and I, I don't know if a lot of people know this about OS X. And I think this started with Lion um, as far as screen sharing goes. Uh, I've got the Mac mini set up to automatically boot into this, uh, standard account, uh, non-administrator account. And when that account launches, it starts the, um, air video server and it starts the XBMC. So if my wife or son is sitting down in front of the TV, wants to watch something, they are sort of get, uh, maneuver through this. And again, you can use your keyboard and mouse. Uh, that was one of the things I really liked about it. Um, but uh, when you do that and you can be watching something on TV, if you go to screen share to uh, the uh, the Mac and you have another account set up, you can actually get your own virtual desktop. So nice. I can be using the Mac as a computer, um, you know, and see the screen and see all my stuff at the same time that, you know, we're using the the TV screen as a TV screen watching whatever's on there. And um it's really handy for, you know, keeping like the I've got a media center account that just like uh, I, the only applications in the dock are uh, XBMC and I think VLC uh, and everything else I do. I, I can be managing and organizing and all this stuff in my own personal administrator account. Uh, and that's, again, so far worked out really well. But uh, that app is amazing. You see, you know, something like this that can be offered for free. I, I I'm sure they've got a donate button somewhere and I, I should throw those, them some money, but uh, it's a really awesome app if uh, this is something you're wanting to do. 
Now, I feel like when you said this won't work if you're a streaming guy, that there was some kind of derogatory connotation there. Uh, like, well, can we all just get along? <laughs> well, I mean, as a streaming guy, isn't going to be impressed by the fact that, you know, there's this app that's going to, you know, organize your media because you're keeping your DVDs on the shelf. It's so. all good. It's all good. I'll be the streaming guy. And, the, and, and this is the third floor with the streaming guys. Going. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my last pick is, and I think I swear this has been mentioned at one point somewhere in the last 48 episodes, but I couldn't find it. And I felt like since it saved my butt this weekend, um, it's called ARC, A-R-Q. And it is, it's similar to, say, Crash Plan or uh, Backblaze, but it's your own... Uh, cloud backup using Amazon S3 storage and Arc itself is $29 and a worthwhile investment. And then it does versioned backups of any directories you throw at it uh, to your S3 account. And if you use Glacier, uh, Amazon's new storage service, you can put the data into Glacier for about one cent a, per month per gig. And uh, and it comes out pretty affordable. Now, note that if you're using Glacier, there is a higher cost for getting your data back. So you're kind of you're you're hedging your bets that you're just it's a backup for safety. But if you ever need to fully restore, you know, 100 gigabytes off of it, you have to pay a little more out of pocket than a penny a gig. It's not horrible. But um, anyway, uh, Arc from Haystack Software can save your butt. And it is versioned, and I don't think there's a whole lot more to say other than it's been extremely reliable for me. And of all the services I've tried, and I have tried them all, um, Arc has the easiest restore process, in my opinion. It's the easiest, uh, to, easiest to get your stuff back. To get your stuff back. That, that's interesting. I, I just started using uh, CrashPlan. Yeah. Um, and uh, really, because, again, the crappy internet situation because I can um, back up across my local network yeah. uh, to another. I, I'm basically using it instead of a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But I, when I have my Mac here at the office, my MacBook Air here at the office, uh, it's backing up to CrashPlan Server Central or whatever they call it. But um, uh, but it is the, the initial cost there for crash plan is, is pretty expensive. I, I got it on the like black Friday deal and it was pretty cheap there, but, um, I could see this being, uh, well, and all of them add up in the long run cause right. uh, you, you pay monthly or, or at best yearly for any of them. And I have no beef with crash plan. Um, I do run, I run Backblaze on my main server, uh, but I'm planning to switch that over to arc eventually as well. But on my air, Arc is Arc is great. Has been great for for over a year now. Yeah, now see all my my vital uh, stuff that I want versioned. Uh, I've got that in my my regular Dropbox account, and I've got a two hundred gigabyte or whatever it is Dropbox account because I've had Dropbox and I knew Dropbox and, I, and sort of like you know I I hit the two. A gigabyte barrier and i just went okay here take some money and yep. just give me a little more space but uh you know certainly once you once you get beyond that um uh and i've i'm i'm a huge dropbox uh evangelist uh and you know it's just one of these things where i tell people look you're 
it's not going to fit all your movies or your videos, your pictures or whatever. But, you know, that that report that you're working on that you spent two hours on and haven't hit save yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, there's another keyboard macro <laughs> keyboard. <maestro. laughs> when I was when I was working on my thesis, I hit uh, I, I had a thing where uh, anytime I, I switched back to Word because I had to write it in Word, uh, it, it would simulate uh, command S uh, just like all. Uh, and then like every 30 seconds, because I was just completely hyper about it. And uh, nice. uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was three and three, right? Yes. I, I did yes. it. I got my I got my numbers together. Woohoo! All right. So I will do our last sponsor, and then we will figure out the most appropriate way to part ways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, PDF Pen is the powerful all-purpose PDF editing tool from Smile. If you need to do anything with PDFs, you need PDF Pen. You can add a signature, make changes to text and images, correct a typo, fill out forms, and that's only the beginning. Do you have a scanned document? PDF Pen includes OCR so you can convert it into text that can be searched, copied, and corrected. If you want to remove sensitive info such as tax ID numbers from your PDF uh, before you share it, PDF Pen can perform redaction, removing the information you want to keep private. The big news is that PDF Pen 6 is now available and the new features make it more powerful and easier than ever to use. The interface and tools have been updated and improved, and you can also now export your PDFs to Microsoft Word format for sharing or editing. If you want to see the new features in action, check out the great video by my friend David Sparks at smilesoftware.com slash 5x5. If you buy PDF Pen for $60 in the Mac App Store, or you can buy it directly from Smile, that I I messed up the script there. Like I said, if you buy, it really should just be buy PDF Pen for sixty dollars in the Mac App Store or directly from Smile, and and it it deserves to be a command because this this app is just awesome. Um, you can also buy PDF Pen Pro for a hundred dollars and get advanced features like form creation tools and document permission settings. Uh, you can find out more about both at smilesoftware.com/slash five by five. Oh, PDF pen. I've got a folder that my uh, scan snap uh, scans my PDFs right to. And then when Hazel finds that there's a folder, it opens it in PDF pen and PDF pen says, oh, hey, look, you need to OCR this. Do you want to OCR this? And then keyboard maestro says, yes. Um, so all of that happens again without me. Uh, PDF pen, uh, awesome, wonderful app. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy to uh, throw my uh, – uh, support behind them as well. It's just a great app. And, and this, the new feature they've got where you can go to a word file is one of these things that like people who don't know anything about computers have always just been like, Oh, I'll just select it all and copy and paste. And it's a really bad idea, but now PDF pen can do this. And it's, uh, I think David said, uh, David spark said it's, uh, something like witchcraft, but, uh, it, but it's a really nice feature, uh, that, uh, I've used already myself. So. I'm going to write you a theme song. So next time you're on and you have little, uh, little like brainstorms like that, it's just going to go, but da dum da dum super nerd. <laughs> you are my guilty, super nerd. Guilty as charged. I, yeah. I, I take that as a, a very high compliment considering the source. <laughs> it, I, it is a compliment. It is. Um, all right. So you're on Twitter. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm forgetting now. Is it Luo Matt? No, it used to be. Now it's just TJ Luoma. TJ Luoma. Yes. And are you on AppDotNet? I am. Are also, we, are we friends Luoma. there? We I, should be. I, 
I keep forgetting that app.net's there. I, I, I love app.net as a concept and I wish everyone would move over to it, but un, until Twitter just blows up, I, I'm, I keep forgetting it's there, but I really, I like app.net and I wish everyone would use it. So yes, I am there and uh, send me messages there and, and get me onto there more. Cause I, I like everything about it more. Are you, are you TJ Luoma there as well? I am. Okay. Did you just say that? And I spaced it. You may have, but I also said like a thousand words in that sentence. So, <laughs> and I was and, and and I instinctively had flipped over to app.net in in my uh, Kiwi client, and had glanced at a message from somebody, and then realized I hadn't heard. If you never mind, I should not. <laughs> I should not confess these things uh, to my guests. You're among friends. We've we've all been there. <laughs> and then, uh, what website do you want to direct people to? Oh, uh, direct people to the uh, luo.ma. Um, I. Uh, that usually goes. Uh, that usually has whatever I'm working on now. I, I blow that away on a regular basis and come up with something else. The uh, uh, rhymeswithdiploma.com is uh, the site I really want to get up and running. That's uh, running on Squarespace, and one of these days I, I will get that all nice and looking professional. But uh, uh, pretty much everything I do is linked to the uh, luo.ma uh, site. So awesome! Find me there. Awesome. All right. Well, TJ, thanks a ton for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. And I am TT Scoff everywhere, and I blog at brettterpshire.com. And this has been Systematic Episode, I don't know, 49. 49. We're almost at 50. Nine <laughs> times. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, thanks again. And we will see everybody in one week.